Well, good evening, everyone. Good to see you tonight. Welcome to Bible study. Glad you're here. See, Tom's bundled up. <laughs> you warm enough? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Not really. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> Summer's coming for uh, for the intern's family right now. Yeah, yeah. In South Africa, but uh, not so much here. But welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. This will be our time in prayer. Father, thanks for... Uh, just a, a place, time, an opportunity to meet. We pray your blessing on it. We pray your anointing. We ask God that uh, you would give anointing to teach and to receive that revelation, God. And we do pray for revelation tonight. We pray for understanding. We pray, God, that we would see, hear, uh, receive things, that some things maybe that we've not received or heard before. And so, God, tonight I ask that you would open up some new understandings for us. You'd open up some new things for our hearts and our minds to consider. I pray, God, you feed our souls. I pray you feed our spirits tonight. And I ask you, God, that this be a time where not only do we hear from you, but, God, we hear from one another and that we encourage one another, a time, God, where we allow you to do your work in us. Uh, we pray, have your way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. If you have a, your Bibles with you, we're going to open up tonight to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. And if you need a Bible, they're located on the tables that are up here. And uh, you can feel free to take a Bible, use it. You can also take that Bible home if you need it. We obtain Bibles to give away. So if you need a Bible or you know someone who does, please take one and get it to them. I also want to take this opportunity as you turn to Psalm 32 to remind you that we have an interactive feature for Bible study. Uh, it's called SpeakPipe, and it's at www.speakpipe.com, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E. -E. You go there, uh, speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study, and that's all one word. Just spell it out. It'll take you to our page, toggle a button, and you can leave us a message. That message could be a word of encouragement, a testimony, something guys doing, a question that you had about the Bible study. It could be some revelation that you received about it. Whatever it is, if you just want to say hi, that's good too. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, it, just take advantage of that. Uh, we, we, it's, it's a one way that we can all sense that we're all in this together and we're all listening to this together. So please take advantage of that if you would. Last week I began to uh, tell you about some of the listeners that we have to Monday Night Bible Study, so I thought I would go over some more specific numbers and peoples that uh, we've seen tune in to the podcast. I know tune in really isn't how it works, but uh, that's an old-fashioned saying for they've downloaded it and they're listening to it. So... Uh, it just in the past year, just to go through some of the statistics in the past year, I'll go over our top countries of listeners, and these are uh, not just individual listeners, but these are uh, podcasts that have been downloaded. So these are numbers of downloads, podcasts within these respective countries. So we don't know how many people are downloading them, 
but just that these were the numbers of podcasts that have been downloaded. So in the United States in the last year, we've had 1,527 downloads of our podcast. Uh, next in line for top countries would be Great Britain and the United Kingdom. We've had 229 uh, podcast downloads. In Thailand, we've had 163 podcast downloads. In Japan, we've had 119. I'm just going down in order. In the Netherlands, we've had 88. Uh, then we go down to Senegal, which is kind of interesting. They're number six on our list, 61 downloads in Senegal. And they speak French primarily. <laughs> I'm not sure what that says, but that, that's the case. Uh, South Africa is number seven, Chris, uh, with 57 downloads in South Africa. So, uh, some some interesting, uh, some other interesting uh, statistics here we have uh, within some of these countries. Here, uh, here's some uh, statistics. A place like Egypt, uh, they've downloaded our podcast and listened to in Egypt, in Argentina, in Spain, Kazakhstan, Vietnam, Ecuador, Pakistan. El Salvador, Israel, Iraq, Costa Rica, Czech Republic, Belgium, Canada with 26. Yeah. Boom. Mexico with 26. Turkey with 23. And then you start going down uh, France, uh, the Russian Federation, Germany, Brazil, India, Sweden, Colombia, the Ukraine. Now here's some uh, other interesting uh, some other interesting downloads here. I'll just try to pick a couple of that. The Islamic Republic of Iran. Thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, Bahrain, uh, again, thank you for listening. Saudi Arabia, thank you for listening. And uh, going down through. So those are just some of the places that are listening to the podcast. And we thank you for doing that. We'll continue to try and break this down a little bit for you, give you a, a better idea of uh, how many people are listening weekly to the podcast, and uh, maybe some idea of where, and go from there. So, hope you're encouraged by that. I was. Uh, you know that we meet, we set up, we talk, we do this, and uh, it's having an impact not just here but other places. And so, just really thankful for that opportunity. Okay, Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. So I'd like to read that for us, please. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. All right, thanks for reading that. Uh, the, the whole psalm, and especially this beginning part of the psalm, is kind of an interesting, uh, the way it's written, uh, we know the psalms are somewhat poetry and and uh, somewhat worship and somewhat singing and somewhat an expression of emotion. And that's what you see being poured out in this psalm. Uh, the idea behind this is healing for a wounded spirit. That's what it's for. And, and it's been that for many people over the generations that have been reading this psalm. But it's healing for a wounded spirit, healing for a wounded soul. And it literally... If you read it and the way that it's written, there's almost like a pulse of emotion about it. And so 
you, you hear that as you read through it. And it's really a, a joy of forgiveness. And in, in the sense of the psalmist, it's a renewed joy in what forgiveness is and what that really means to us. And, and it's important. It's important for us to renew our joy in forgiveness, to renew our joy in what that means, in the grace of God, in the mercy of God, in the forgiveness of God, in the cleansing of God. All of those things are super important for us to keep in mind because we have an enemy, and he is the accuser of the brethren. That's what he's described as. And so if our enemy, who we know is strategy, and part of his strategy over us, a major part of his strategy over us is to accuse us, and so if we know that, then it would be good for us to, to galvanize ourselves against that, to have a defense, to have an answer for that, to renew the truth in our lives of what it is that we are forgiven, to renew the truth in our lives of what it is that we've been set free, to renew the truth in our lives of how God feels about us and how he sees us. And how he wants us to live and how he wants us to, to understand our place with him. Because the devil is a liar. And his lies have been institutionalized. Make no mistake about it. That he has infiltrated and institutionalized his lies into organizations. And because of those lies, some of us were brought up believing them. And believing, oh, that's what the Bible says. Or believing, oh, that's how God feels about it. Or believing that that's the way that, that God has shown himself to us. And it would be further from the truth. It couldn't be further from the truth. Because one place that the devil really can't infiltrate is the word of God. Because our understanding of the word of God comes to us through the Holy Spirit. And he's not infiltrating the Holy Spirit. He's not infiltrating the word of God as we allow the Holy Spirit to bring life to that word. He's not going to do it. He can't do it. And so whatever organizations have been infiltrated, whatever. Let them be. They are. There's not, there's not much we're going to do about it. We're not going to change long-standing institutions. We're not. And I know some of us, you know, sometimes we feel like we can change this place. You can't. You know, I had a student leader when I was, uh, I was a pastor and a campus pastor down in Jamestown, New York, Jamestown Community College. And she was awesome. Older lady, she had raised her family, went back to school, came to know Jesus. Got saved out of a dead, dead, dead religion. Came to know Jesus, had a, had a great conversion on that campus, began to worship God. I mean, it was just awesome. Awesome to see it, awesome to watch it. But she decided, even though she had come to know Jesus in the ministry, she'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit, she was moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, she was speaking in tongues, all this great stuff had happened in her life, she decided she was staying at the church that she had been dead in. Why? Because she was going to change it. She's going to change it. And you know what? She couldn't change it. I talked to her about it. I said, you're not going to be able to change it. Don't say that. I can do it. I know, I know God can use me to change this place. He's not going to use you to change that place. And so, so after a while, you know, she kept, she kept talking to the priest there or the minister, whatever, that was there. And, and, and after a while, he, he came, you know, into a relationship with Christ. And he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he began speaking in tongues. And he began to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
So she's all excited. She's like, see, I told you. I told you I could change this place. Well, guess what happened? What happens when that happens? Anybody know? New, new pastor or priest, right, they moved him on. Didn't like what was happening there. Moved him on, new guy. Are you going to start all over again? You know what, you, you know, I don't know, if, how many of you guys are in the military? Ever dig a hole and fill it back up again? All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So there, there's, not cha- there's no changing that, all right? And, and that's my point. And I'm not saying that to be hopeless. I'm not saying that because I'm trying to be, you know, Debbie Downer about it or anything else. I just know. I just know I've been, I've been through this so many times. And individuals change, yeah. Institutions don't. They are the way they are. I mean, can God do something? Sure, but he can do that without your help. All right? And, and, and there are ways that that happens. But all I'm saying is, is that God is able. But... Uh, don't, don't put yourself into that loser position. Don't. Don't put yourself into that position of frustration. And, and so here we have, uh, so, so it's been institutionalized in some of these organizations that it, some of these bad ideas, some of these accusations, some of these ideas about God that just are not true. And because it's institutionalized in some of these organizations, some of these institutions, it, they, it becomes almost like uh, folklore. And people just say things. And they teach their children things that just aren't true. And I guess you have to come to a place in your life at some point where you reject that and you just grab hold of the truth. And I want to encourage you toward that tonight. That if you need to reject it, reject it. I mean, really reject it. Don't need it, don't want it, reject it. And take hold of some truth. Really grab the truth and let that truth blossom in you. Instead of trying to keep one foot in and one foot out or trying to hold on to something or whatever. I mean, and, and I will tell you the truth. I love, love, love my grandfather. I love my grandmother. But there were certain things my grandfather said to me that weren't true. And I can still love him, and I can still love my grandmother, and I still do, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, and I can't wait to see them in heaven. But they told me things that weren't true, and that's okay. Because I could lay those things aside, and I could take hold of the Word of God. I, they didn't have to be 100% right. Okay? And neither do your parents or grandparents. They don't have to be 100% right. Don't worry about that. You need to take hold of the truth for your life here and now. And for the life of your kids and the life of the people that you're going to influence. You need to take hold of the truth and, and live in it and believe it. And so let's look at this. Psalm 32 giving us some instruction. Instruction for what? Instruction for happiness. There's a, there's a word there. What's the first word of Psalm 32, verse 1, most of you? What's it say there? Blessed. 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 That word, when you read it in the Bible, now this is the Old Testament, right? Yeah, that word, when you read it most places in the Bible, means happy. Happy. That's how we use the word happy. They're like blessed. It just means happy. You go to the New Testament, read about the Beatitudes. You know what the Beatitudes are? Blessed are the poor in spirit. All those Jesus was teaching, Sermon on the Mount. That word means happy. And so because, because we read that with some other religious connotation, we, we don't get the denotation. Happy. That's what it means. And so this is an instruction. Psalm 32 
comes to us as an instruction on how to be happy. And so I want you to think of it that way, because that's what it is. Blessed, okay, then you read what it says there. Happy, and you read what it says there. That, that happy is the person whose sins are forgiven. There's three different words used for sin in these verses. Three different ones. There's transgression, which means, literally means separation. And, it mean, and it, the, the base meaning of it is rebellion. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. That's it. All right, so that's the first one. Just, you're just stepping over that line. I'm going to do what I want to do. Rebellion, separation, that's what it is. That's, that's the first word that's used. Another word that's used is just the word sin. And in general, when you read the word sin in the Old Testament, it means this, to miss the mark. Like you're shooting a bow and arrow, and you're just not hitting the target. You're giving it a shot, but because you get distracted, because you don't have whatever... Thing, and the arrow just goes wherever it goes. All right? And that and, and sin, and, and really when you read that word in the Old Testament, a lot of times that's just what it means. Thing, missed. Not on target. Might have given it a shot, okay? Didn't hit it. Just, just went off somewhere else. All right, so that, that's another word that's used there. And then another word that's used there is iniquity. And the base meaning of that word is twisted. Twisted. And that could mean a bunch of different things as far as what twisted means. But it means pretty screwed up. All right? And, and so it's one of those words that describes confusion. It's one of those words that describes that a, a, a complete and utter misrepresentation or a complete and utter misunderstanding, a complete and utter uh, taking of something and making it whatever you want it to be. Twisted. And so those are the three words that are used here, and it's, and it's meant to cover a spectrum of what it means to sin. All right? Whether it is rebellion, just out and out rebellion, I'm going to do what I want, or it's, I gave it a shot, but I missed the mark, padoing. Or whether it's just something really twisted in your heart, really twisted in your mind. Something really twisted about what's going on in your life. All right, what you need to know about all three of those things, and, and maybe you think one of those is worse, or two of those are worse than the other, whatever it is. All you really need to know about those is, number one, they're all common to all of us. Okay? All common to all of us. Don't feel shame. All right? Just listen to me. We all have those in our lives because we're humans. And that's the way it is. And, and notice it doesn't say, Blessed is the man who never sins. Do you see that? It doesn't say that. Happy is the man because everybody sins. Well, except for Jesus. All right? But all the rest of us, in this day forward, all the way through, except Jesus, but everybody else, all of us, have sinned. So this is talking to us. And so those it's supposed to give us a good spectrum of what it is to sin. Well, all those things. And those are all common to us. 
the, the second thing we need to know is we're all in the same boat, number one. Number two is that God forgives all of those things. God forgives. Those are all within what he forgives. And even that, you think, it, you think what you do is worse. Well, it's not. It's not. It's just within the, the scope of what he forgives. It's all in there. Because all lawlessness can be forgiven. And, and so there's three words, in the same way there are three words used for sin in these passages, there's three words used for forgiveness. You ready? The three words. First one is forgiven. In other words, and really what forgiven means in, in these passages is to lift and carry away, to remove. In other words, you lift it, and you head on out with it. And that's what God does with our sin. He lifts it off of us, and he carries it off. Where? I don't care. I don't care. All right? He lifts it off of me, though. I care about that. And he carries it away. I'm into both those things. So, that's the first word that's used for forgiveness. He lifts it and he carries it off. Second word used for forgiveness is covered. He covers our sins. And what that word means is to take our sin out of evidence. So you know when you're in, a, you're in some kind of a court and they're going to bring the evidence, exhibit A, exhibit B, and these are the, the, the little pieces of evidence they're going to use against you to convict you for what you've done. And so exhibit A, exhibit B, they bring them in. They want to show it to the jury. They want to show it to the judge. This is, this is our proof. Our proof that this person is a horrible person. Well, what, what happens is, is that God takes, takes it out of evidence. No longer in evidence. You see, so the first one is he lifts it up and he carries it off. The second one, he completely takes it out of evidence. So we're in court. And the evidence is gone. What happens when the evidence is gone? Case dismissed. That's right. Living for that. Third way forgiveness is used is that it's no longer imputed to us. It's taken off the table and it's taken out of our account. All right? gone and all three of those things describe a certain action in our life like the first we're going to take it off in other words we're removing the burden and we're relieving the burden that's going somewhere else the second one is taken right out of evidence gone case dismissed third one no longer imputed to us in other words it's removed it's no longer held against us we hold a grudge right god doesn't he doesn't hold a grudge. And so we've got three kind, three words for sin. Well, we also got three words for forgiveness in here. That's the way this kind of poetry works. And the reason there's three of them is that they want to emphasize it. Because what you have to read in the Psalms, especially when things are repeated, it increases in volume. Right? That's what they want. They want you to hear it increase in volume. Like it's just getting more exciting. It's getting more heavy and, 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 and really good. It's increasing in volume. It's getting louder. Make sure you hear it. Didn't hear it the first time. Listen up the second time. Didn't hear it the second time. 
Third time. Can't miss it. It's really loud third time. And that's part of what they're trying to do here is that they, they want it nice and loud. You see, it's the blood of Jesus. And I know this is going to sound old-fashioned and churchy, but it's the blood of Jesus and nothing else that cleanses us from sin. Nothing else. There's no other cleansing from sin than the blood of Jesus. And I'm, that might be old-fashioned, it might be a little churchy or whatever, but it's the truth. It's what it is. It's the blood of Jesus and nothing else that cleanses us from our sin. Remember what John the Baptist said? He said, behold the Lamb of God. Do you remember what else he said about Jesus? He takes away the sins of the world. Yeah, he was a prophet. He was a prophet. And he saw Jesus, who was his cousin. I mean, literally his cousin. Not just the way people use that word, but that was really his cousin. Not just, you know, his friend or somebody he grew up around. It was really his cousin. And he looked at his cousin and in front of all of his disciples and all the people that were there that had come out to see John the Baptist be baptized by him. They had come out to confess their sins. They had come out to be forgiven. All the things they had come out for, knowing that John was a prophet. And he looked at Jesus he's like, Behold the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is the cleanser. It's his blood that cleanses us. And by his blood, I mean, how do you get to the blood? You've got to open a vein or you've got to open an artery to get to it. You've got to break the flesh. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. His flesh was broken open and his blood was literally spilled so that we might be cleansed. A price was paid. A price was paid so that we could be cleansed. And it was a willing price that was given for us. And, and that's what makes it really important because it was the product of love. His blood being spilled, that's his love. I mean, no greater love any man than this. He laid down his life for his friends. That's what he did. What other love is it? What greater love can there be? The Bible says none. None. There's none greater. That's it. That's all the love. It's right there, encapsulated in what Jesus did. And so he, he never, and read on with these verses with me, he never counts our sins against us. That should make us happy. So happy is the person whose sins are forgiven. What sins? Any sin. All sin. Meaning forgiven what? Carted off? Taken off of us as a burden? Yeah, awesome. Meaning what? Meaning that it's no longer in evidence against us? Great. Meaning what? That it, it never to be counted against us again. No grudge, man. Happy is the person who figures that, or not even figures that out, that just believes it. Happy is that person. And we should be happy about that. And then we go on, it says, never counting sin against me. That should make you happy. And so who is that true for? That your sin will never be counted against you. Who's that true for? It's for everybody what? All right. So we need a relationship with Christ, right? All right, but that's part of what the blood of Jesus does in our life is that it never counts against us. But it's true for us. True for whom? True for me. And this is where 
true happiness exists. Because this is a forever kind of thing. So we have an assurance our sins are gone. And not only that, we have an assurance that it won't be counted against us. So do we need to dread the end? No. Do we need to dread death? No. Do we need to dread, oh, Jesus may come back? No. Do we need to dread, oh, oh no, what if I get hit by a bus? Remember last week? Remember, remember we talked about that? Right? Hit by, hit by a bus? We're okay, right? I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to jump in front of a bus, but I'm not worried about if I get if I got hit by a bus, I'm all right. See, I can live in that, though. I can live in that peace. I can live in that joy and that assurance. I need to live in that. I need to live in that kind of happiness. Because forgiveness is, is to make us happy. We, we, that's our happiness. And true happiness exists in understanding that we don't live under the sin. You understand why the devil is all about accusing you? Do you get it? Do you understand why he doesn't want you to live in this? Why he has infiltrated, like I said, institutions to convince you that this isn't true? To convince you that, that you, you can't possibly receive this kind of forgiveness? You can't possibly live in this? That you can't possibly live in that kind of assurance of your life? Do you understand the strategy behind convincing you otherwise? You should. Because you should understand how it paralyzes people. You should understand how people live in guilt and how people live paralyzed from thinking they can ever be used of God, thinking they could ever be somebody that God could ever speak through or God could ever do anything through. Well, just look at my life. It's a mess, right? Right, it is. That's why Jesus died for you. Right, it is. That's why the blood of Jesus was spilled for you. Right, it is. That's why we have the assurance this word, that we can be happy, <coughs> that we can live happy, that we can be happy yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If we choose to believe what the word of God says over our life, if we choose to live under the blood of Jesus, if we choose that, if we choose to, to, to tell the devil to go pound salt with his lies and with, and with his accusations and all the rest of that kind of stuff, if we choose it. Look it up. Because it's not wealth and it's not honor that brings true happiness. It flows from the favor and grace of God. That's where true happiness flows from, is the favor and grace of God. It's where it really exists. And that's where God calls us to live. Grace, if we really can live in it and just be happy, it makes us full of grace toward others. Meaning what? Meaning people are jerks. Honestly, just people are jerks. Not all the time, sometimes. And people are going to do things and they're going to say things that are going to upset us. People are going to be unfaithful to us. People are going to lie to us. People are going to be mean to us. People are going to make fun of us. 
And, and I can go down a list of the kindness that people are going to show us, but, I mean, all of those things are going to happen. They just are. And we have the opportunity, the opportunity to live in grace because we've been given grace. You know, it's a lot easier to be nice to people when you're happy. Do you know that? You think about when you're in a good mood and somebody, you know, does something, like whatever it is, it's a lot easier to laugh it off if you're in a good mood than, than if you're angry about something or you're frustrated or you're sad or whatever the case may be. If you're not living in that joy, you're not living in that happiness, man, people do little things, it, it could set you off. It really can. But when things are going your way or you're living in that happiness, I mean, little things don't matter. And that's part of the grace. That's part of what living in grace is. And that's part of what extending that grace toward people around us is. Is that first of all, we've got to find our happy place. And we've got to find our spot where we're nice and happy. And if we find our spot where we're nice and happy, then we can extend that happiness to the people that are around us. Right? I think so. I mean, you think about a time where something happened and you're really happy. Right? I mean, I, I was, uh, the, over this past month, I've had an opportunity to go down and see my daughter play soccer at her college. And I went down, I was down there for uh, a couple of games over one weekend where they were playing their conference championship. And they won the first game and then they won the second game and they won the conference championship, and we were able to go out on the field with the girls, with the women, I guess they are, because they're in college now, but go out on the field with the women, and they had the, the banner, and they had the conference championship trophy, and they were all taking pictures with it, and everybody was jumping on everybody's back, and everybody was having fun, and, and it was awesome. And so I took a bunch of pictures and all that, then I had to get back in the car, and I had to drive back here. It was about an eight-hour drive, seven-and-a-half-hour drive. And, I mean, the same jerks are on the road. They're on the road anytime. But I was in a good mood. I was in a seriously good mood, and I was happy. And I just, I know when I was driving, people were cutting me off as usual, or screaming around me and honking or doing whatever they do or flashing their lights at me or whatever people do when they're in cars and they're driving down throughway or down highways. I just didn't care. I didn't care. Did not care at all. And I could, I could roll back here nice and happy. And nobody bothered me because I was in a good mood. And I thought to myself, I want to be in this kind of mood all the time. All right? All the time. And i got to believe it's possible that there's some way, shape, or form that we could just find a way to put ourselves in a mindset whenever we wake up in the morning, be happy about the things that are in our life, be grateful for the things that are in our life, show some gratitude about the blessings of God over us, even if it's just showing gratitude today because I am forgiven and because I live in forgiveness and I don't have to worry about that. And the Bible says that in that there is happiness. Happy is the person who is forgiven. Yeah. Happy is the person whose sins will never count against them. Well, that's what the Bible says. Maybe I should really take hold of that and be happy. Because that's me. That's me. My sins are forgiven and my sins will never be counted against me. I'm happy. That's what the Bible says. Happy. Well, let it out. Let's let it out. 
Let's let it flow from us. Because as we'll let that flow from us, that same grace will flow into other people. There's a plural word here for joy in verse 2. It's, it's joys. All right? And, and when it's plural like that in the language that's used in the Old Testament there, it means double joy. It intensifies the word. That's why they do that. Joy, joy. Joy, joy. All right, we're intensifying it. Joy, joy. Double joy. Plural, intensify. Yeah. And so God doesn't charge us, all right, with what we've done. He's removed it from evidence. Well, what about people that do us wrong? Well, what do you think? What's the expectation? I mean, seriously, what's the expectation? He forgive them. Yeah, we don't charge it against them. Joy, joy. Yeah, and, and it is the same measure. Jesus was really clear about this, and we ignore all of this. Seriously, we totally ignore what Jesus says, stuff like that. Whatever measure you judge somebody else, you will be measured. You will be judged. We, just, we ignore that completely. Why? We love to judge other people. Love it. Love it. All right? I don't care what it is. I mean, did you know Judge Judy is one of the highest paid people on television? Yeah, people love to watch Judge Judy. How is she still? Yeah, I mean, she's still making a ton of money. But, I mean, people love that. And they love to do that. And, and, and you know what? Resist. Because that isn't our job. In our job, she's the judge. Good, they're paying her lots of money. Let her judge. All right? It's not our job. And then as, as we get ourselves out of that habit, the quicker we get ourselves out of the habit, the more joy we're going to live in, the more happiness we're going to live in. Because it ain't our job. Let it go. We're not even good at it. Part of the reason it makes us so angry is because we're terrible at it. Terrible. Let it go. Just let it go. And I know, I know everybody wants to come up with an excuse about why we should. Don't. For whatever measure that you're going to use, you're going to be judged. All right? It's used against you. It's a boomerang. It's coming back. Don't do it. So we don't charge anybody. And then it, it talks about a person of no guile. Anybody remember in the New Testament there was a person of no guile? Jesus said that. He, he, one of his disciples that he called, remember his name? Nathaniel. Nathaniel. Yeah. It was Nathaniel. And, and he said he's a, he's a man of no guile. And what that word means is true as he is. And let me give you a couple of negative words that don't go along with no guile. <laughs> All right, let's try a couple out. Pride is one of them. A person with pride has guile. Hypocrisy is another one. A person who is a hypocrite has guile. The person of no guile is the person who's just true and the person who is who he is. And you see, a person of grace can be that. A person of judgment cannot. A person of judgment 
has to pretend to be something he's not or that she's not because whatever measure he or she is judging, what's happening to them? They're being judged. He or she is being judged. It's coming back on them. You know, we think of that verse as being, well, that's in the future. You know, that's when Jesus judges us. Well, it is, but it's also right now. You want to live in a legalistic fashion, you're going to be judged by the same measure you're using. Sorry. That's just how it works. You put yourself into a legalistic community, you will be judged by whatever measure that you're using to judge others. And what does legalism lead to in an individual's life? Guile. That's what it leads to. It leads to hypocrisy. It leads to pride. It leads to just being a big faker. Because you're afraid that someone's going to find you out and judge you. And that's a terrible place to live in. Community of grace is a community of no guile. Because a community of grace is a place where you can just be you. And what if somebody doesn't like that? Well, they don't. Whatever. What if somebody doesn't like something you think? Time to grow up, everybody. Lots of people don't like things I think. Whatever. And there's things that you think I probably don't like either. But you know what? We're all big people. And we can all live in community with each other without agreeing with every thought that crosses our minds. We can all agree, you know, live in community without agreeing on some basic things without having to agree with every little thing. The things that bind us together are far greater than the things that separate us. The things that bring us together and, and cause this community to exist are far greater than the little things that just don't matter and aren't going to matter, aren't ever going to matter. And grown-ups kind of figure that out and they learn how to live together. Unfortunately, we live in a society that is completely polarized. We can't be. We can't afford to be. The kingdom of God is not. The way of Christ is not that way. As we have received forgiveness and grace, we give freely. And that's how we live together. Does that mean we're perfect? Absolutely not. It's a recognition that we're not, that we live in a community of grace. A recognition that we're not the people that we're going to be one day. That's what living in a community of grace is all about. And we can just be us. Yeah. It, it just sparks the thought that there, there are certain people who either they just put this out there like, you accept me, all of me, as I am, or not at all. And we, and we can be like, I love you, but I disagree with some of the things that you, know, you guide your life with. But I love you, and I don't want to stop hanging out with you. I don't want to stop spending time with you. But then they go that extra measure, and it's like, no, if you won't accept everything, then I can't accept you. So they're, they're, it's, it's confusing because it's almost like they're saying, you're not open-minded, but they're the ones who are showing the closed-mindedness because they can't accept that love without correct acceptance of whatever lie they're living in. And correct, that's the lie that polarizes people. right? That is a lie. It is a lie to believe that there are any two people on the face of the earth that absolutely agree with each other. 
that is a lie. They may agree with each other on certain things that they consider to be important, but it doesn't mean they agree on everything. And to apply that standard to others, again, must we agree on everything? The answer is no, but that's maturity. That is abject immaturity to force that decision on somebody because it's a non-decision. And society supports that. Absolutely. Right, we live in a polarized society that supports that philosophy. Right, and it is, it is completely bankrupt. There is no reason in it. There is no grace in it. There is no forgiveness in it. There is, there's nothing redeemable, really, about it. And you're right, society supports it and has said this is perfectly okay. And if you don't agree with us, you're a bigot. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. So that's part of the issue is that, is that we live in a society like that, but we can't be that. We cannot allow ourselves to be that. And part of the fight against it for us is to recognize it for what it is. That's what it is. I mean, think about how God sees us. We're not perfect, right? He loves us. Does he agree with everything that we do or think? No. But is it a fact that he loves us? Absolutely. Does he care for us? Yeah. Has he forgiven us? Yes. That's why we're happy. Is he holding it against us? No. That's why we're happy. Yeah. And so then we can share that. If we truly receive that and we truly internalize that, then we can share that with the people around us. It's, it's, it's just what it is. And so coming up short of that is to come up short of really the happiness that God has for us. Because true happiness exists right there. And so our, that grace flows from that. Our relationships flow from that. Our relationship with Christ is that. And so our relationships with each other flow from that and flow between us. And even, and I want you to think about this for a second, though, our relationships, even with people out there, has to flow, they have to flow from that. Because you think Jesus, I mean, who did he choose? Men of Galilee? I mean, who were they? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody, but it, it all flowed from that. I mean, he laid his hands on lepers. They were unclean. He raised the dead. They were unclean. He, he spoke and, and he ministered to beggars and to people who were lame and people who were possessed of devils. I mean, he did that to the blind and the sick. Those are the people around him. The poor. So in, in thinking about those kind of things, I mean, there has to be some fountain of love there because we don't have that in us. But there is a fountain and there is a forgiveness and there is a grace and there is a happiness that, that really that kind of ministry can flow from. And it does. It absolutely does. And so as we look at our life, and I really, I want to encourage you in this, and I know I just skimmed over this, but the person of no guile, again, you can't have pride in your life and, and, and have no guile. Pride and guile are the same. Right? Hypocrisy and guile are the same. Uh, 
What is there to really be prideful about? I don't even know. I don't know. Nobody's that good. Nobody, nobody's that talented. Nobody's that smart. There's not. So I don't, I don't know where that comes from, but I guess it does somehow. I think some of us were taught that almost as a defense mechanism in our life, but it's incompatible with the gospel. Incompatible. Pride is the sin of the devil. It is incompatible with the kingdom of God. But we allow for it. I, and I just want, I want to make a strong statement against it that it's just incompatible. It's guile. And God, if, you, if you're going to live in the happiness God has for you, it, it, it puts us in a position of no guile in our life. I don't know a lot of prideful people that are really that happy. I just don't. I, don't. I don't know hypocrites that are really that happy about their life. They live in one thing, saying one thing, doing another. I don't, I don't see a lot of happiness in that. So our happiness flows from the grace and forgiveness that Jesus brings. That's where it comes from. And and that's just the Bible. That's not my opinion. That's just what the Bible is teaching in Psalm 32 and other places too. I just didn't go there. But that the idea is that you need to find your happiness in your forgiveness. And then let that flow into other people. Anybody have any questions or comments? Just take one or two. Dave? Yeah, I mean, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, in The Cost of Discipleship, just real quick, most some of you have read this or been through it before, but just talking to Chris today about this, the carefree life is hearing what God says and doing it. That's what the carefree life is. So us trying to judge what God says isn't the carefree life. Us trying to judge what other people are doing or what God's told them or not told them, that isn't the carefree life. The carefree life is for me to hear from God and do what he says. And for you to hear from God and do what he says. And for all of us to be hearing from God and doing what he says. That's the carefree life. That's what it is. And we find, and that's where we find that, that kind of freedom. And that's where we find that kind, of, that, that kind of place, that kind of space for joy in our life. Is there. And, and that, that's just between us. That's just like, okay, well, I'm doing what God told me to do. What are you doing? You're doing what God told you to do. Yeah, okay, good. Keep it up. All right? But it's not up to me to judge that. I mean, I'll say something to somebody, and, and this is how strongly I believe this, and some of you have experienced this, where I'll say something, it's like, I don't think you're really going the right direction here. Well, this is what God told me to do. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I'll let you go down in flames, all right, if you tell me that. And some of you have experienced that, because I really believe this. 
And, and I know part of my job is to, is to help you out and to keep you out of trouble, and I do my best to do that. But if somebody tells me this is what God said, well, hey, get to it. All right? And I, and I may reiterate, I don't see it. All right? And I've been wrong about it, too, and I, I'm perfectly willing to accept that. I've been wrong about it. And some people say, well, this is what God told me. I, I don't see it. Well, i got to keep doing what God told me to do. All right? Thumbs up. I'm a little concerned. I'll be praying for you. And sometimes you go down in flames, and sometimes you prove me wrong. I'd rather you prove me wrong than go down in flames, okay? Don't think, that, don't, don't think you got me if you prove me wrong, okay? I'm happy you prove me wrong when you prove me wrong. And when you go down in flames, we're there to help each other. Let's pick it back up again. But I'd rather you go through that process than, than not go through the process of hearing God and doing what he says. Yeah. Right. But for the most part, God will just keep recentering us and putting us back on the right path. Because, I mean, if that's our passion, if that's what we want, you know, to have that presence with us all the time, I just, I just feel like there's just something, uh, there's just a higher road we can all take and, and not getting caught up in, in trying to refigure and reconfigure I wouldn't disagree with that, but I, I mean, my only response would be, was David passionate about God? Was he pursuing him? Yeah, he did. But he's also the one giving us this instruction. So it's kind of one of those things where, yes, I agree completely, but one of the guys, one of the, the primary people in the Bible that we have that was a man after God's own heart, super passionate, following after him, but he also took time to give instruction to say, you know, this is, and maybe it is for those hiccups. Maybe it is for those times that we can get ourselves recentered and get moving. Instead of going off on whatever tangent people do. Right. I think the struggle, too, this could be, and I'm just, just coming off the top of my head, but I think part of the struggle with this is a man's religion versus a primitive faith. That I think if we just stuck to the primitive faith and we were just passionate about God pursuing him and that's all we'd ever known, I think that that would be awesome. The problem is, is that we're not pure like that that we have religious leanings. And I think that's part of the problem, 
if we'd never heard anything else, we never knew anything else, then I don't know that this would even be an issue. I don't even know we'd even do this. Right. But I don't I don't know that this would even anybody would even care about this. Yeah. Yeah. And there's probably some people here that don't care about this right now. Like why does he keep talking about this? I would imagine. And and I guess that it wouldn't be a word for them. I don't know. It struck me because as I was reading through Psalm, the Psalms, I, I, I'm constantly struck by, I have to always keep in mind as I'm reading through, especially the Psalms of David, that, okay, man after God's own heart. What does that mean to me? More importantly, what did that mean to God? And these are his words. It's his instruction. So, what in this am I hearing? What in, in this am I What's speaking to me? And that's really you know, where any of this comes from. But I, you know, I, I have my past too. And I need my reminders. I agree with you, though. If we could just... <laughs> you live there... Who cares about any of this stuff? <laughs> really? I don't know. I mean, there's Bible verses I could turn to, I guess, that speak to us about it. But that, uh, you know, kind of the pollution of this world, things like that, that would indicate that we're still here. And because of that, we're affected by where we are. So I don't know. So, good question, though. Good point. Let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, your forgiveness. We thank you, God, that uh, we're happy. (laughs) Happy is the person who's forgiven. Well, we're forgiven. I pray uh, that we just uh, find our place in happiness, God. Happy is the, the person whose sins are not counted against them. Yeah. What sins? All of them. What forgiveness? Everything. We're free. And I pray, God, that we can live in that happiness, live in that joy, and, and that, that from that can flow uh, grace toward others. I just ask, God, that we find a place of joy and happiness in you, and and be a people of grace and mercy toward one another. And I just ask God that uh, we pursue you with a whole heart, face just in your presence. It's just in your presence as much as possible, as much as as possibly can, that the things around us would fall away, the things around us that sometimes seem so big or so important would, would be nothing compared to what it is to live in your presence, to live in your forgiveness. So, God, thank you. Uh, We ask, Father, that uh, we find that place constantly in you. Thanks for your happiness, God. Thanks for your happiness. Yes, these things in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 Thanks for coming tonight. Good to see everybody.
and we'll see you again.